Perfect. So as we get going here, uh, welcome everybody. My name is Tom. I'm a solutions designer at Fjord, and I will be hosting the webinar today, talking with Keely and Brent about where DevOps meets managed services. As we uh, move through the webinar, as I mentioned, feel free to enter any questions, comments into the chat, and we'll do our best to address those towards the conclusion of the webinar. And uh, it seems important to call out that as someone who has worked in software for years and has been working from home for months now, I'm almost always wearing a t-shirt, so wearing a uh, buttoned-up shirt today feels very fancy, uh, just for you all bringing our A-game. And we'll be sending a recording of the webinar out in a follow-up email as well. Uh, if you're having any trouble with audio, feel free to uh, reference this information. Uh, and if you're still having trouble, you can chat in and we have a few people available to help uh, troubleshoot any audio issues. Now for quick context on how this webinar came together. Uh, there are a few kind of relationships or acquaintances between Fjord and Tarmac. And over the years, uh, Anthony, or specifically myself and Anthony from Tarmac, have been talking about this project versus product idea. And since Tarmac and Fjord both have presence in Minneapolis, as well as offices elsewhere, but we overlap in Minneapolis, and we have an increasing involvement in the DevOps community, we saw it as a good opportunity to come together, uh, work on this webinar, and uh, increase the conversation with you all. So we look forward to sharing what we see or what we're working on related to DevOps and hearing uh, your input and feedback as well. So with that housekeeping out of the way, I will introduce our panelists and we will get underway. On your, in the far corner of the ring, we have Brent Kastner who is the Chief Technology Officer at Tarmac. And Tarmac is a global team uh, distributed among five countries, US, Uruguay, Argentina, the UK, and Macedonia. And uh, Brent, as we get going, feel free to correct me if that number's out of date, but last I checked, I believe that's the, uh, the status. And uh, Tarmac designs, builds, scales, and supports exceptional software. Uh, as Brent and I were preparing, I liked that he described himself as a huge nerd. Uh, I think there's, uh, the, uh, of the best type uh, of the people that we meet in software, uh, generally describe themselves that way. And he's been in software more than 20 years, uh, working on DevOps uh, for a long time. So he brings a good breadth and depth of perspective to this conversation. Keely Caverno is our Director of Managed Services at Fjord. And uh, Fjord is a full-service custom software development firm with end-to-end -end solutions. We work from solutions architecture to UX design to development all the way through to managed services, so that end-to-end -end cycle. And Keeley joined the Fjord team as a project manager, and that has been her background, project managing across lots of different industries. So bringing that perspective, uh, Keeley does a great job with our team uh, translating between what the developers understand and what they're saying and what the business folks understand and what they're saying. Keeley has moved over to the managed services team in the last uh, two years, I believe, and last year. Thank you, Keeley. And uh, I work closely with Keeley, so I can say that she, if I'm allowed to swear on webinars, kicks ass. 
and has been doing a great job refining the department. Uh, and then just to confirm, our fulfillment team is based in Minnesota and Tarmax teams, like I mentioned, are based in those uh, five countries. So with that as our introduction, housekeeping, and a brief welcome to the panelists, we'll transition to our first topic. Uh, what is DevOps and why is it important? I'll pass it over to Brent and let you kick it off. Oh, sounds good. Thank you for that. Um, glad to be here. And I see that there are a number of people attending today. So thank you for your time. We certainly appreciate it. Um, I think this is a great place to start because, you know, fundamentally definitions are, are important. It gets everybody on the same page. The interesting thing with DevOps though, is that, you know, if you're to go to talk to 10 different companies in Minneapolis about what DevOps is, you're very likely to get 10 pretty different answers back. Um, and that has a lot to do with the fact that not everybody knows <laughs> what the crystal clear definition is, and that's because there really isn't one. I'm gonna share a little bit about my personal definition and what, what we've done uh, at Tarmac to help our clients um, kind of realize what DevOps can mean for their business, because ultimately um, this move from sort of siloed development and operations culture to one you know, contiguous DevOps culture is designed to support the business. So. The, I want to spend a little time talking about that. I can also tell you pretty much right off the bat what DevOps is not. For example, DevOps is not Kubernetes. If you are running Kubernetes, you are not necessarily doing DevOps. It could be a part of your strategy for, for moving your business um, and shifting in that direction, but Kubernetes is a tool. DevOps is more of a culture and a process. So I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, I think to get to that, though, uh, we need to talk a little bit about the history of of business and technology culture. Um, I was lucky enough to start up in the 90s. I know I'm dating myself a little bit, uh, but back in those days when I was just a young engineer entering, uh, entering the workforce and, and getting my feet wet with various businesses around Minneapolis, um, there was sort of this tribal knowledge amongst the wise technology elders that mentored me and others that, you know, if you are talking about technology, there are three things to consider, speed, quality and cost. And these kind of technological elders used to say, you get to pick two, sort of meaning that like, you know, if you want uh, high quality work and you want it to be cheap, then it's gonna take forever to do, right? Or if you wanna go fast and keep it cheap, then quality is gonna suffer. And man, at the time, that sounded like real wisdom, right? There were whole businesses that were sort of designed to, to function in that way. and I. I can recall business leaders in the companies that I worked for sort of playing around with that, with that uh, formula, trying to get it right for, for the balance um, or the right balance for their business. The more I progressed in my career and became confident in both technology and on the business side of the house, the more I began to search for reasons to reject that notion. Um, and in fact, in my opinion, there exists a different relationship between those two, those two things. Um, we experience this every single day. If you have quality in your software, you will go fast. If you have quality in your software, it will cost less in the long run. Uh, we're not gonna compare unit costs because sometimes quality things cost more to get into, but you all know that if you buy a quality piece of furniture, it's heirloom. It could last you know, one or two lifetimes, right? So that's really kind of the, um, the, the, the fundamental background to this. And DevOps is sort of the latest iteration of technologists who are trying to keep up with 
their businesses, to support them, to go as fast as possible, but also to live sane lives um, and to, you know, to do things in a, in a, in a quality uh, in a quality fashion. So that's the way that we think about it at Tarmac. Now flowing from that are all kinds of technological considerations. For example, if my business is massive in scale, um, you know, billions of transactions per day, I can't replicate that perfectly in a testing environment. I need to be able to react to what the real world is telling me, which means often in a technical scenario, I need to be able to deploy whenever I want to deploy. Well, that forces the DevOps culture to say like, okay, what techniques and tools do I need to bring to the table to be able to accomplish that in the same way? Well, it speaks to some automation. It speaks to being able to, to deploy multiple times. Back in the old days, in the 90s, we used to do these things called deployment nights. They would start around midnight, sometimes go to 5 a.m. And the whole team would get together and we'd be moving code around. And at the end of it, hopefully everything was working. Um, obviously, if you try to do that at scale, that's not going to work. So it speaks to kind of a different mindset. The other piece that it speaks to, I think, is, is around quality. Um, if you need to deploy, and we have clients that do this, um, to production, say, 20, 30, 40 times a day, um, you can't think in the traditional way about how to do testing in QA. Once again, it sort of forces you into automation because the computer doesn't care if it runs the, the suite of automation tests 100 times a day. But I can tell you that your manual QA people will definitely care if you try to push 100, <laughs> 100 change through them in a particular day. So that's the shift in my mind. Once again, it's, it's designed to support business and business agility. Um, and that is done by breaking down silos in what has historically been siloed environments in tech. Now, the younger folks on the call are the folks that are newer in their career. Thankfully, probably haven't had to deal with that, but that is the reality and that's where it comes from. Um, I personally really enjoy the change that it affects on organizations because you get people from different perspectives seeing things the same way. You get technologists that don't think like techies, they think like business people. And at the end of the day, that's what you want. You want technologists who think like business people because they are going to push your mission further and faster than a business person telling a technologist what to do. So um, forgive me if I get carried away. I feel like some days I get paid by the word. So feel free to rein me in if this is, <laughs> if this is too much, but let's call that our functional definition yeah. if that helps. Thank you. Yeah, no, Brent, I appreciate the, the intro. And <laughs> well, uh, well, Keely's got so, some dogs that'll be joining the webinar as well there. Uh, on that theme, Brent, of many different definitions of DevOps. You ask 10 people, 10 companies, you're gonna get 10 different answers. Uh, Keely, I'd love to hear a little bit from you uh, about how you see DevOps different in a website development environment or a web dev team, as opposed to maybe a SaaS or more kind of product uh, software team. Yeah, so my experience with DevOps is, is much more limited. I'm very new to the the world of DevOps and it's become my latest obsession. It's how I, you know, I'd rather read DevOps books than watch TV. Um, so I'm learning as I'm going, but one of the, the biggest insights that I've uh, gleaned from all these books and webinars is um, that DevOps is really centered around software development, right? Where you've got like large numbers of developers working in large companies where 
internal stakeholders are really who they're communicating with on, on a product. And what Fjord does is we build websites and uh, applications like mobile applications and web applications. So we're dealing with a lot of smaller projects, smaller teams, shorter timelines, which means tighter feedback loops. And if you don't get that feedback going, you miss those opportunities to improve within the existing project. That doesn't mean you can't still get that feedback for the next project, but if the goal is to really improve the existing project that you're working on, you have to move quickly and you have to collaborate a lot between the teams. Um, and so we still, we've got the project teams and we've got the managed services teams, which is essentially the systems administration and the support teams uh, working together. Uh, Fjordge also does not work with internal clients with, like with software. So we're working with marketing agencies or uh, like the marketing director of a direct client um, who are then working with an end client, like they've got their own stakeholders. So our process is really heavily influenced by the deliverables that are given to us, which makes the whole just-in-time um, or lean approaches that are really fundamental to DevOps tricky for us. Um, so we have to find a way to, to kind of be waterfall, but also agile with, with a DevOps mindset. Um, the next thing is automations. They're, they're limited to the things that are repeatable across projects because, because the projects are shorter in length. Uh, the time that goes into creating the automations, automated testing, that sort of stuff for a single project uh, doesn't really see that value unless you can repeat that automation across other projects or if those automations and, and testing can be, sorry about my dog, can be brought over uh, to the managed services team where we've got that ongoing relationship and, and we are testing on a routine basis to make sure that the code is still working properly. Um, and then I think the last big thing is uh, our clients really need a, a big bang deployment, right? Like they're marketing agencies and they want to deploy, you know, a brand new site with this big marketing campaign. So how do we fit in continuous delivery and that, that mindset into um, a field where we need to do, uh, sorry, <laughs> where we need to do Big Bang? Uh, and so like, how do we start to see the staging site as our portal for delivery to our client uh, and then still be able to do that Big Bang? So those are some of the differences that, that I have started to notice. Yeah, Thank those are those are some really good points. Do you mind if I sort of dovetail on on some of the Go things ahead. that yeah, I heard there? So, so um, a couple of things like definitionally, once again, back to that. Uh, one of the things that we find in a lot of organizations, whether you're working with a product or a website or whatever the the technical property may be, um, we've actually bifurcated the definition between a deployment and a release. And I think the distinction is really important, right? The 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 definition in my mind of a deployment is the technical action of moving the code from point A to point B. Now it's available or whatnot. And the release is sort of think of it as like the unveiling to your customer, right? There's a, there's a concept that overrides this. And I think the same is true of your business too, that we call product management. And that is like a whole separate set of, of disciplines and, and processes that a lot of organizations run. But the key is, and I think this can be done in managed services as well as, you know, with product is you want to keep that technical train rolling. So the deployments are always happening, but that doesn't mean that you give up the big unveiling or the big release. A lot of our customers use things like feature flags or Keely, you talked about having a lesser environment like staging, but the key is the first time everyone is looking at that is not the first time everyone's looked at it. Do you know what I mean? Like 
the, the software has been deployed. You can verify that it works and all that. And now we're, all we're doing is adding users to it is kind of the distinction. So I'll shut up now. No, that was great. No, I appreciate the back and forth as you both kind of clarify your perspectives and, and compare and contrast a bit DevOps and managed services. One helpful theme there as well is showing, and you've alluded to this a bit, where those, uh, where DevOps has come from, that it didn't just emerge you know, in a vacuum. It didn't emerge fully formed, especially because people define it in so many different ways. Uh, so we'll start with Brent again, uh, talking about some of the origins of DevOps. Yeah, um, so there are a lot of folks that claim origin here, but the first, the first one that you can definitively point to in my mind is Flickr. So folks may remember this, this old site for sharing photos back in the day. Flickr was, you know, an internet success. Um, and truly, I think one of the first places that, you know, my parents actually put photos. <laughs> so it was like that widely adopted. Um, they faced some of the same problems that I was talking about in my intro. They were growing at a pace that you simply could not simulate in any lesser environment. The internet was putting so much pressure on their processes and procedures that they had to normalize uh, this ability to be able to release software, whether it's a feature, whether it's a bug fix, could be many of those different things whenever they wanted to. Um, and in fact, I'm sure if you do a little uh, like uh, creative Googling on or, 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 or searching on YouTube, you'll probably find some of the early videos of their engineering team talking about this mindset, which was basically, you know, they had an ops team, they had a dev team, the two barely communicated with one another uh, you know, when things would go down in the middle of the night, it was a scramble to try to figure out who could fix it. And they just took those teams and smacked them together and said, Hey, you know, you're one team now you figure this out and all kinds of goodness comes out of that. Um, you know, there are a lot of folks like myself included, um, with a, with a early stage startup here in Minneapolis, we were under similar pressures, although not at the scale that Flickr was, but, but reasonable, you know, 3 billion transactions a month, kind of, uh, kind of, uh, pressure we had the exact same issues and we had the exact same structure, separate dev team, separate ops team, and things got way better the moment those two came together. Um, there's a term that you'll hear in the industry now um, because I think it describes really, uh, really succinctly what this looks like. You're shifting those responsibilities left. In effect, more people are becoming developers. And that's true in our organization too. We have developers that started as developers and now we're learning infrastructure. And we have infrastructure people who are now becoming developers. And the, the reality is in this day and age, those things are blending. It won't be too many years forward when if you're a pure play developer, you're gonna be expected to know how to deal with Amazon, how to deploy, how to scale, how to do all of those things. It's just part of the job. So in effect, it's shifted left. Awesome, thank you for that, that overview. And Keely, the angle here that I'd be curious to hear from you on is uh, we've talked a bit about DevOps origin, and I know that you and I sometimes will geek out about uh, particularly a book that you're reading, which I appreciate. Uh, so can you speak a bit to DevOps and uh, managed services origin and how you've seen those uh, intersect or, or even more recently and how you're seeing managed services cross into DevOps? Yeah, really what I can speak more to is like, what do we mean by managed services? So at Fjord, what we mean by managed services is uh, the infrastructure, so the systems administration, setting up the servers, security, monitoring, that sort of stuff. 
and the support, the ongoing support. So, you know, traditionally maintenance, but our managed services teams are doing so much more than just maintaining the site. We are enhancing the sites. We're doing QA. We're providing, you know, ideas to the clients on how they can continue to enhance and make their sites more secure, uh, perform better, all that sort of stuff. Um, and so the way that, that I see it really is, is DevOps is, as Brent mentioned, development and operations. And so with that equation, managed services at Fjord is the ops side of the DevOps. And um, a little bit more about my own background is that I've been at Fjord for two years, but I spent one year as a project PM on the project side, so the dev side. And then I spent, I've spent one year on the managed services side, so the ops side. Um, and I've actually had, you know, some of the, the project team developers come over to the managed services side with me. And so there's this realization of, oh, that's what happens after this project goes to the other side. And, oh, that's how, like, if we had only done this differently, we would not be, you know, encountering this issue on this site that we literally are the ones that built last year. <laughs> um, so at Fjord, the, the, the DevOps movement is really about how do we just, you know, bring that collaboration together and, and tear down those walls and talk about shared issues and um, how do we help the project teams to have the, the end in mind during their development and how can the managed services teams give useful non-blaming feedback to the project team so they can continue to improve their processes. And at the same time, how can we automate things that are gonna make both the project teams and managed services teams more efficient, more effective, and more profitable in the long run? That's great. Uh, thank you for speaking to that uh, DevOps definition or that managed services definition more. Mm -hmm. uh, Brent, in recent years, kind of we talked a bit about origins and past of DevOps, and so bringing it closer to the present, where have you seen a lasting impact created by DevOps mindset, DevOps practice? Um, great question. Uh, I think there are a number of answers, but the one that I'm going to pick is. Um, once again, because I, I, you know, even though I am a technologist, I, I also identify equally as a businessman. <laughs> I enjoy both. Um, has to be the relationship between between business and technology, right? So um, we see this from time to time when we get invited into to help companies uh, through Tarmac, and that is a relationship between, you know, it's often described like this business and tech or, hey, our developers aren't fast enough or the QA team isn't fast enough, right? Um, those to me are not the problems. Those are symptoms of a larger issue. And I would say that, and I would drop this sort of DevOps like cultural aspiration right into the middle of that. Usually when you have a situation like that, it stems from a lack of transparency, uh, a lack of visibility, potentially poor quality and speed. Right. So if you are able to, to, to parachute in and start doing the block and tackle stuff like, you know, hey, we start writing some unit tests, we start doing some CI. Now we're deploying every day to an environment that the business and the product owners can look at that and give me feedback on. And you start doing these little things. Once again, all of this automation and the, the, the constructs for how you pull that off are firmly in DevOps. But it's the relationship that you start to see improve that is an outcome of that, that is the actual problem in manifesting as those symptoms. To me, that's, that's uh, where I see it being the most, the most successful. And we've seen companies come fundamentally turn around 
when you start doing these little, little simple things, um, we actually coined a term for it. We, at Tarmac, we've got a, a, a framework that we use called Tarmac 10. It's 10 simple things that we do on our projects every day. And it just so turns out that those 10 simple things done consistently equal quality, equal uh, transparency, equal all of those things. And then the relationships start to improve and change. And that's, that's personally gratifying to me. That's what I like to see because I've yet to actually meet somebody on a team that was like not a good dev or not committed to the company or these things that people sometimes leap to that conclusion because they don't have the relationship and DevOps fixes that. It really, really does, especially if it's, you know, executed well and it's envisioned. I will second what you, the, your call out of the Tarmac 10, and we'll send that out in the follow-up email. Uh, it seems to me like a great articulation of DevOps meeting business and the uh, results that can emerge from that crossover. So Keely, jumping back to one of the topics that we mentioned right at the start, uh, this theme of project, ver project versus product. And it's sort of a, you know, it shows up in people's job titles, people have big thoughts and feelings in this area. Uh, how do you relate this distinction, project versus product, to DevOps and managed services? Yeah, so I guess the best way to describe it from a, a pure standpoint is that the project is, um, it's really defined as a, um, a temporary solution with a beginning and an end and a defined scope and resources, or a temporary endeavor that is um, undertaken to create a unique product or service, right? So the project team is creating the product, and then managed service managed services is keeping that product alive and useful to the client on an ongoing basis. Um, so the relationship between project versus product in a DevOps relationship is similar to the relationship between Dev and Ops. You know, how do we how do we create that? feedback loop and uh, make sure that the, the project is set up for long-term product success. Perfect. Thank you. I mean, I, I can't agree more. I, I just want to like double down on that. So, you know, definitions being super important for me, it's a matter of focus, right? If you're a project manager, your, your focus is the project. So things like, am I on time? Is the budget right? Uh, you know, has somebody logged eight hours? Like those are the important things in a project. If you're a product manager, your focus is the product. And suddenly you're shifting out to like, how is the product doing? Are my users happy? Are people buying it? Like it's fundamentally different. And I think a really important distinction. So really, really well said, Keely. Thank you. Thank you. Fantastic. I have questions that could take us the rest of the afternoon <laughs> into tomorrow. Uh, so I'll do my best to kind of hit the, the most important ones. I see Dave has dropped a question in the chat here, which we'll get to uh, in a little bit. If anyone else has questions that spark off of what we've talked about so far, um, feel free to drop it in the chat, and we'll use some of the remaining 15 or so minutes uh, to talk through those questions. So before we get to Dave's question in the chat, I would love to hear a little bit from both of you, and we'll start with Brent on this one, about blockers regarding DevOps. Uh, that is a wide open question, so I'll let you take it uh, any angle that you want to, but I'll give a little bit more context of blockers could be confusion, it could be distracting hype, which has led you know, an executive to have a bad taste or bad opinion of DevOps, not seeing the ROI potentially, uh, or just resistance, kind of flat out resistance. So what blockers have you seen regarding DevOps? 
Uh, you wanted me to go first? Uh, yep. Okay, perfect. Um, all of those and more. <laughs> um, but, I, but I will say this, I will say this. Uh, once people become accustomed, once they see this in practice, they never want to go back. Right. So it's just for me, it's like managing any other kind of human change. It's not a technological issue. Hardly ever is it technological. It's almost always people and process. Um, you know, the real common ones are exactly that. Like in getting back to the very first question that you asked is what is DevOps? There's some fear and trepidation for folks that aren't doing it right now. It's such a big topic. If you type in DevOps on Google, I mean, you could read from now until the end of, you know, next year probably and not have a firm grasp of what you want to do. And it's honestly uh, one of the reasons why we've been so successful in this space is we, we come to the table saying like, look, you know, we're here to deliver business value. I've articulated what that is. Go fast, have quality succinctly. Um, we can bring in a set of of processes and tools and techniques that will help you achieve that out of the box. Um, the reality is those things are going to change over time. The tech is always going to change and it's going so fast in the DevOps space. Like every other month I'm reading about some other tool. Tools are going to change, but the aspiration remains the same, right? Um, so if we can get the business sold on being able to do that, and usually they're our biggest partner in that because that's what they want. Um, that coupled with like, and here's how you do it and we help you do it is kind of the one-two punch that we use to, uh, to kind of break down those, those barriers. And then, you know, we're a shop. You called me a big nerd at the beginning. It's absolutely true. We're all big nerds. We like to get it. <laughs> we, we all like to get our hands dirty. Like at a certain point I stop talking and we actually start doing things. <laughs> and um, once people get a, get a taste of it, they start connecting dots and next thing you know, you know, everybody's on board. So. I like the way that you frame up the why versus how. Uh, if you have a strong why, you can kind of get through the how, especially if there's blockers, you know, in between. Uh, Keely, I'll pass that one over to you and hear your perspective on blockers regarding DevOps and how to work around them or through them. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned some of these books uh, that I've recommended to you, Tom. Um, one of the first ones I read is Leading the Transformation. And it's really all about the importance of, of leadership and management buy-in on DevOps in order for there to be success. So I'd say one of the big um, blockers is like a question about how to implement it, right? So should you test it out with small teams and then let it sort of evolve from there? Should you know the business leaders like come crashing down and say, this is how we're gonna do things now, and bam, you have a change, and really, it's, all about collaboration. So how can you get the business leaders to buy into this idea of DevOps and say, this is what our business goal is that we hope DevOps will help us to solve and then empower those teams to come up with their own solutions and, um, and like bring those changes to life and give them flexibility to, to test out their ideas in small ways and, and mold them and change them based on the feedback that they get. So again, it's also about feedback loops. I'd say another blocker is, is misconceptions about the value, um, right? So what is the return on investment? Is everything tied to dollars or is, you know, employee satisfaction going to be part of the return on investment? Is general efficiency going to be a return on investment? Is client satisfaction and therefore ability for you to just increase your rates going to be, you know, part of the return on investment? Um, and just the, the culture change and the openness and the communication. So I think they're, 
there's some blockers there where it's like, well, I don't know where the dollar values are going to come from. And so we don't want to try this out. And you really have to be very open-minded to what it is, what kind of return you're wanting out of this and know that it is an agile process, meaning that like you can stop and start and pause and pivot based on, you know, your changing business goals. Um, and then I'd say the, the last blocker is this idea that there that DevOps is a single role. It's, it's not a role. It's a, it's a culture change. Um, it's a collaborative effort. And um, in this idea that there needs to be a DevOps role, there's this idea that there needs to be a DevOps expert to lead the charge. And that's really not what you need. You need an integrator, somebody who's going to be the cheerleader of the movement. And he's going to work with the people that are capable of making the changes and, and help them to learn and evolve and give them the resources that they need to continue moving forward. I mean, of course, it's, it's important to have experts who can, you know, make the right decisions with automation and QA and version control and the right tools and, um, you know, all that sort of stuff. But that person doesn't need to be in a single role. Like, there can be those people that are already in your company who are just self-learning those things anyway that can really drive the movement forward in your company. Uh, and if you want to have a DevOps manager who's like, I'm going to hold everybody accountable to what they agreed to, that's great too. Um, but just be flexible in how it is that you're going to understand the role and roles of DevOps. Yeah, really, really, really great point. I, I love that. Um, it's not a role, right? you can't take uh, a team of people that used to be ops people or sysadmins and just stamp DevOps on. I mean, you can do whatever you want. It's your company, <laughs> but it doesn't mean that you have DevOps culture just by changing titles around. So again, really well said, Keely. It's, it, it is that cultural shift. It's about, you know, people coming together, communicating, solving problems and using modern tools to do that. And, and these things we talked about, like, you know, automation and, you know, deployment and all those kinds of so well, and, and the thing is that like technology is always changing, right? I mean, we are the ones that are changing it literally. So um, you're not going to find an expert in everything because things are being invented as we speak. There's, there's new ideas coming up and it might even be your team that invents the new DevOps thing, tool, right? Or process um, just because of your own experimentation and, and your value of that experimentation and feedback. Yeah, that emphasis on agency and, and self-organization definitely seems to be an important theme throughout DevOps. Uh, one question from the chat here that you all addressed a bit with that last question about blockers is uh, justifying the ROI, especially when you have maybe part of your organization that sees it, right, get it, want it, capacity to do it sort of perspective. And then maybe another part of the organization, skeptical, feels like they're writing an open-ended check not really sure what the ROI is gonna be. Just from a bulleted perspective, are there even like keywords that you recommend, I realize it's hard to summarize, but keywords you recommend to emphasize uh, ROI related to DevOps? Um, yeah, the open-ended check thing, we, we see that from time to time too. I think part of that is, is a bit of old school thinking, like um, I think that this is non-controversial, so somebody jump in and, and challenge me if, if, if you, you think it is, I'd love to talk about it. If you have software that you deploy and you have pro or customers that use that software, you are in the software business and you will need to support it until people don't use it anymore. And so DevOps is not like an investment that you make over and above your existing software. It's a, it's a method of working so that you can better support <laughs> that software that's out there serving value for your users. 
ROI comes from that. It, you know, there might be a little bit of, you know, money that you spend to do that automation work that we're talking about. Or if you're in an environment where you're not doing unit testing, for example, that's kind of like the bare minimum of things, you'll have to start investing in that. But those things have dividends. So it's not just like you're throwing money down the toilet. You're going to get that back out of your platform, uh, assuming that it's got you know, some uh, some runway to it. So what I say when I'm challenged with a question like that is like, look, you're going to be supporting this for the end of time. Don't you want to support it in the most efficient, cost-effective way possible? And if you put it in those frames and you start to show some of the value um, that you can achieve like in AWS or Azure with scale and, uh, and, and just-in-time computing and all those things that it starts to kind of make sense and people do get it. Perfect. I'd like to add... Um for ROI, like create your own measurables, right? So if you've got that business leader buy-in in your company, as part of your DevOps, you know, ongoing measurement of your return, what are the measurables that they want to see? You know, do you want to see, so at Fjord, we talk about weak scores. So, you know, each radar week from a scale of one to three, a measurable could be because of DevOps, we're seeing an increase in our employee satisfaction by a score of like a, an increase of 0.4, right? Like that is a measurable and that is a return. So if you're looking for dollar value or you're looking for reduced costs, or if you're looking for less time to set up an environment compared to what your current situation is, those are measurables that are very easy to track. You just have to come up with them on your own for what's important to your company, both for the business leaders and for the developers and um, the support teams that are, you know, playing a part in this whole DevOps. Awesome. Yeah, it's, a, it's a great way of looking at it. I just have like one other thing that I want to add to, um, because as developers, and I've been one for a long time, sometimes we fall into this trap of, you know, maybe opening the kimono a little too far on how we do our work. So this agency of the developer to start integrating these concepts into their code, I don't look at it as like you need business buy-in for that. Here's the classic example. I am horrible at doing like chores around the house and keeping things working. So if my toilet breaks, I call a plumber. When he gets here, I don't tell him what tools he gets to use to fix it for me. I, I trust that he knows what the heck he's doing. And I see that the same with developers. Now, I'm not saying you're going to like, change the whole way that you manage your, your, your operational environment as a developer, but you can start doing the really basic things without permission. Like for example, I'm writing a test on this because quality is important to me. Um, and turns out I'm faster if I write it. So it, it, in a way it's like a, it's a little bit of a shift. And often when I give an analogy like that, business people kind of after chuckling a little bit, kind of get it right. Like this is core to the tool set of a developer and ops as you go down the line. I hope that makes Perfect. Yeah. So thank you both for clarifying on ROI. Uh, we got a question related to becoming uh, a DevOps engineer. Uh, they're currently working as a programmer, uh, an IT manager actually specifically, and have a background in technology, but aren't really clear on their path, you know, towards being a DevOps programmer engineer. What are some starting steps that you would recommend down that path? We'll go ahead and start with whichever one of you feels you know most clear on that. Keely, would you like to? Or <laughs> I was actually going to say friends. Okay. No, <laughs> uh, again, my my experience with DevOps is is really I'm months in, right? I'm reading books, I'm watching videos, and everything I see is like 
there is no DevOps title, but DevOps engineer is a thing. So maybe you could give some insight into what that typically means, or is yeah, that yeah. a thing? I'm not, I don't know. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I think I understand this. So, um, uh, th this person is already a programmer, which is great. That's a fundamental place to start. You know, I, I think the entry, the barrier to entry these days to get into DevOps is, is supremely low. In fact, free in a lot of cases. Um, AWS and Azure and GCP all offer uh, sort of like a like a, a free like period of time where you can go in and play with their tools as a way to learn. And so I would look at it like this: um, think about an application that you're writing. Maybe it's a web app, or it could be a mobile app if you're into that world and think through all the stages of it. I'm gonna write it so that it's working locally. I'm gonna write some unit tests for it. And then eventually I need to put it somewhere where people in the world can interact with it. So that speaks to an environment. The easiest way is gonna be in one of the cloud providers. The three that I've referenced are by far the e easiest. Then follow along the whole chain of commands or the whole chain of events. So it's on your local environment. You're going to commit that to something like GitHub or Bitbucket or GitLab, choose one. Uh, then you're going to run continuous integration on it. There's a bunch of free options out there. Jenkins, CircleCI, um, uh, Bamboo, Azure DevOps, uh, Code Commit and Code Pipeline instead of AWS. These are tools that take your code, run the tests, and then deploy. And then finally, set up the servers to deploy it. And if you're able to do that, that's the full life cycle of an application. Um, if you can set that up, man, you're well down your path of, of, uh, of getting there. The, the problem is if you just Google, you know, like how do I do DevOps? Like it's going to be really difficult to assemble it. You always have to break it down to say like, you know, okay, how do I do GitHub? Then how do I do continuous integration with GitHub? Then how do I deploy from CI to AWS, you know, EC2 or Docker, ECS, you know, those kinds of things. If you pick it apart like that, eventually you'll build all of the, the building blocks that you need. Um, mm. And that's kind of the basic skill set. There's a lot more to it, but that's the entry, entry point. On your journey, you're going to find all kinds of other things to read and places to branch off, but that's the basics. Awesome. Thank you for that, that quick orientation. As we're coming down to the last couple minutes here, I want to make sure that people have uh, follow-up information. If you're curious about Tarmac or Fjord, we've got our URLs on the screen here, as well as LinkedIn and Twitter. And uh, feel free to reach out to us directly on LinkedIn as well. Uh, if we go back to our information, uh, then you can, there we go. Uh, so Keely Caverno, Tom Hart, and Brent Kastner. And in the last minute or so, as we're coming down to the wire, uh, can you both, or let's see, uh, Brent, can you quickly speak to what you would do differently if you were just starting out today? What has changed and how would you adapt your practice if you're just getting going with DevOps? Oh man, quickly, succinctly, yeah. man, you got the wrong <laughs> presenter for that. Um, let's see. I, I don't, I don't live with a ton of regrets and, and when, you know, when I learn something new, I quickly change and adapt. So I, I don't have a bunch of that hanging over me, <laughs> at least in my professional <laughs> career. Um, you know, I, I would just say like, you know, the, there's a fear of, of, of losing the beginner's mind on things, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, one of the things that I appreciate so much about Tarmac is that we're, 
you know, we're like 150 strong and I literally learn something from this team every single day and I'm not afraid of where it comes from. Like, mm -hmm. I just want to learn this stuff, soak it in and, and do better all the time. So I, I don't know if it's necessarily something to change, but I would say that folks that enter this kind of realm without a chip on their shoulder, without trying to be the smartest person in the room all the time, mm -hmm. you're going to succeed. And if you have that kind of mentality, like it's going to be really tough to keep up because things are moving really, really fast. Not the best answer in the world, but that's right. But yeah, <laughs> thank you both for your time today. Uh, if there's any requests that you have of the audience in closing or recommendations, kind of in in summary. I'll pause and give you either a chance for that. Uh, yeah, I, I'll share the books I've been reading. So um, the first one I read was Leading the Transformation. Sorry, I don't have the, um, the author's names, but if you look up Leading the Transformation, um, and then the one I'm currently uh, sifting through is Lean Enterprise. Um, and then on LinkedIn Learning, uh, if you just do a search for DevOps, there's a lot of really, really great entertaining videos um, about, about the topic. Um, yeah, and I highly recommend those, those three resources. Maybe we can include those in the follow-up email as well. Perfect. Yeah, please, please do. I would like to see them too. So, and I, my memory is not as good as it used to be, so thank you. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you both again. Uh, we'll share those resources in the follow-up email. And, uh, We'll look forward to continuing the DevOps conversation uh, with you all. Thank you. This was fun. I appreciate Thank it very you. much. Have a good afternoon. Bye. Bye. Bye.